to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens presented by star style productions as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity you'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters meet and chat with cool celebrities exhilarating experts and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know it's time to kick off the fun with our star teens welcome to express yourself Politics isn't about left versus right. It's about top versus bottom. Jim Hightower. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. I'm Siri Panindra. And I'm Andrea Smith. And today's show is about politics and elections. First off, Be The Star You Are has recently begun our 22nd year of service. We want to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are so thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. And as part of our Disaster Relief Outreach Program, Be The Star You Are showcases authors, artists, actors, musicians, and many other creatives who have had their performances canceled due to COVID-19. Make sure you are tuned into Wednesdays with writers and performers and Super Smart Sundays broadcasting right here on the Voice America Network's Empowerment Channel. We have a fantastic show planned for you guys today. In segment two, you'll meet Michael J. Gelb, a professional public speaker renowned for his life-changing presentations on creative leadership, genius thinking, and conscious business. In segment three, we will have a discussion about politics and elections. And right now, we are very pleased to have on the air with us Jack Pavlakos with Trends Without Ends. Hi, Jack. Hello, I'm Jack Palacos, and I'm happy to be back today. For my episode of Trends Without Ends, I'm going to be sharing insights on one of the most disruptive and important topics today, which happens to be politics. In today's society, talking about politics has the potential to become so heated that many people tend to filter their opinions or just avoid the subject altogether, which I think is kind of unfortunate because I think there's a lot to learn from hearing different viewpoints and it overall is uh, better for politics as a whole when everybody can express their views. Uh, and today, I'm going to be sharing what trends Generation Z is experiencing in the political world of 2020. Generation Z is the group born in between 1995 and 2010. 
This group of voters range in age from 18 to 23, and they are the most racially and ethnically mixed group than any other prior generation. And Gen Z is a group that is said to consider ethics highly important and overall has relatively realistic expectations. It's also the first group to be called digital natives, uh, as they rely heavily on social networks. Politically, Gen Z is most similar to millennial voters. If you think that your vote will not count this year, Gen Z plus millennial voters will make up 37% of eligible voters. So it's definitely important to vote. And that's only going to be growing larger since only six years of the 15-year span of Gen Z is eligible, eligible to vote currently. And surprisingly, generations uh, for voter turnout in the 30 and under group has actually been traditionally low. Uh, how low, you may be wondering? Well, for the past 35 years, only about 30% of eligible voters in the age group of 12 to 29 turned out to vote, and that includes both national and local elections. So with that in mind, this generation actually has the potential to direct entirely new political directions. Uh, and in fact, Gen Z is on the radar for voting groups. The federal voting age is 18, but a little fun fact is that a third of states allow 17-year-olds who will be 18 by the general election to vote in primaries. And in case you didn't know, the primaries are where voters who identify with a party vote for the candidate to represent their party. Uh, the general election is where the votes are made to choose the president and the vice president. Uh, but this concept of voting under 18 isn't actually that new. The first state allowing this was Ohio in 1981, and the most recent is Colorado, which enacted this just last year. The new trend is getting even younger people involved, allowing 16 and 17-year-olds even to vote in municipal elections. Uh, leading this unusual voting amendment is actually San Francisco. Gen Z is a generation that is very digitally connected. Um, in fact, 60% of Gen Z members find out what's going on in the world just through social media. So new trends to increase voter regi registration are finding ways to connect people to vote through social media. Uh, for instance, Up To Us is a new output uh, social media campaign specifically directed at young adults to get registered to vote. Up To Us is actually teaming up with TikTok in this outreach to target younger people faster. Uh, perhaps one of the largest Gen Z political influences is actually Snapchat. The majority of Snapchat users are teens and people in their 20s. The company actually utilized their platform to register over a million voters. The majority of these voters are first-time voters, and over 80% of them are under 30. So clearly social media is having a big impact on politics for younger members uh, of the community. And another big player in voter registration is Facebook. Facebook has, in fact, signed up a whopping 2.5 million voters in the Gen Z and millennial generation. Uh, there are also numerous other groups, such as When We All Vote, Rock the Vote, Next Gen, uh, and Next Gen America, all of which use social media stars and apps to influence Gen Z to register. The National Voter Registration Day is the fourth Tuesday of every month. It started in 2012 and I assume uh, was all mail-in based. Today, the day is still recognized, but now regist registering to vote is easily available online and can be done by almost anyone.
Awesome. Thanks, Jack, for this really informative segment. And for our listeners, can you give us some insight about NVD? And is National Voter Registration Day the only day you can register to vote? And did eligible voters miss it because it was in September? Uh, no. Uh, NVD was developed just to increase awareness to register. Um, most states actually have deadlines in October. The earliest deadline to register is October 4th for Alaska and the latest being October 27th in Connecticut. All other states have a range falling somewhere in between. And if you're unsure what the deadline is for your state specifically, you can just simply look it up and find out that way. Oh, okay, perfect. And I found it really interesting how you were talking about how social media is now raising a lot of awareness and especially targeting Gen Z um, voters to really come out and vote and register. And I was like curious because I've I've actually seen it on Snapchat. Um, I don't have TikTok, but on Snapchat, like I get little notifications asking if I registered to vote. Um, and I was wondering if you have seen any of the registration programs on social media. Yeah, I have. Um, I've had the same experience on Snapchat, uh, where they just give you a little notification asking if you've registered to vote. Um, and I, I assume um, if you click on it, it takes you to a link uh, or like a website where you can register to vote. So I think that's um, I think that's really convenient for a lot of um, members of like millennials and Gen Z people, just because, you know, if you're already on social media and you have a little link asking if you register to vote, uh, why not register? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, adding on to that, I personally use Instagram and I've noticed that they have implemented like a politics feature on their story. And they have like these little stickers that kind of promote the idea of voting. So definitely, I've also seen it on my end. Um, so Jack, what is your opinion? Um, what do you think about companies using social media for political activities? Um, I think as a whole, um, it's a good thing as long as the companies aren't being biased towards a, partic a particular side. Uh, if they're just trying to get users to be aware of politics and aware of how impactful their vote actually is. I think that that's definitely a positive thing because um, like we were discussing earlier, if a lot of you know younger people are getting their information from social media, then that means they're not watching the news. So if they're you know like actual news channels, so if people aren't watching the news, and they're not hearing about politics and the need to vote through that, then I think it's definitely good that um, politics kind of come to them on the social media platforms that they're already on and comfortable with. But I don't think that the social media platforms should be pushing aside. I think that people should do their own research and make those opinions for themselves. Yeah, definitely. I think that you brought up a really good point about how, you know, they shouldn't be biased and that type of thing. I know that for myself, like I recently watched the 
social dilemma and I, I like saw how um a lot of like how you know politics and like two parties are so divided right now and so it's like it's scary kind of to see where we're headed um and on that note like what do you think like what do you think about companies using social media for political activities um i think that uh like the voting registration um is definitely like a really good thing but i think that politics on social media sometimes can be a little bit of a concern because uh, at, at least from what i've seen it's it appears sometimes that social media is more directed at influencing public opinion rather than informing the public to make their own opinion um and i think uh, yeah, it's it's um, there's already like ads targeting users about politics, which can also be misleading. Um, and it's hard to be aware of how influenced by social media we actually are, even if we try to be aware. Um, sometimes you see things and you may not really think too much of it, but kind of subconsciously it changes your opinion or makes you uh, kind of think a certain way, but you're not really aware of uh, why you're thinking like that. So I definitely don't think that politics on social media is a bad thing. I think it's really good that people are able to, um, you know, put out their voice and their opinions and discuss um, as like a larger community. It definitely makes it easier to connect and it can be a lot more civil too than uh, like actual rallies where people can tend to get uh, more excited um, and it can be a little bit more out of control in debates on social media, but I definitely don't think that um, it's the best thing when social media tries to influence opinions rather than inform people. Yeah, I definitely agree with your perspective. And since we're nearing to the end, I'd just like to ask the last question. What are some ways you personally stay informed about the election? And what is your personal experience? Have you registered to vote? Um, well, I personally have not registered to vote because I'm 17 and I won't be 18 by the time um, the election, uh, like voting day occurs. So I'm, yeah, I'm not registered um, just because I can't be. <laughs> but if I could vote uh, this election, then I definitely would. But um, yeah, I think o- overall, uh, the, the, the way that I um, gain knowledge, I guess, and kind of stay informed, I I would say is I I like to do my own research on uh, the news and get um, perspectives from uh, like different sources. Um, Like I think uh, sources like the New York Times are like pretty unbiased um, versus something uh, such as maybe like Fox News, for example, or CNN. Those can be um, a little bit biased on both sides. So I think it's good to go to, um, it's also good to actually research um, news outlets that you know are a little biased because at least that way you'll get both perspectives. But I definitely, uh, I know a lot of people get the bulk of their information just from um, like little threads that people repost uh, and like quotes people repost, which I don't think is smart (laughs) 
to do it can you know it's good to stay aware of them and learn from them but i think in order to really develop uh like a well thought out opinion it's kind of necessary to do research on both sides yeah for sure i'm um, i definitely agree we need to look at a wide spectrum of sources before kind of developing our opinion. Um, and I have a follow-up question, actually. Since you're 17, do you personally think that the age 16 or 17 is too young to vote? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, um, I personally um, don't think that it's actually too young to vote, um, just because you can uh, work at 16 and 17. Um, and you can also get taxed for that work. So I think that it would make sense that you should be able to at least vote if you're getting taxed and you're able to work at 16 and 17. Um, but I do, I definitely do understand the reasoning behind not voting at 16 and 17, just because, uh, you know, your brain as a teenager is still developing. And I, th I think people really just start getting into politics around 16 and 17. I would say that's when people are first kind of introduced. Obviously, everyone's like aware of it when they're younger, but I don't think people really start um, like actually doing their own research and caring as much as they should until they're older, just because it's more of, I'd say, I guess, like a mature topic as a whole. So it's just, it's something that um, it's probably better in general for people to get more experience in politics before just jumping on a decision. Yeah, that's that's a great perspective, Jack. And once again, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Listeners, show your love for more segments by donating to the BTSYA 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program at be the star you are.org. And keep listening for more as we interview our guest in the next segment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to express yourself on the voice america kids channel where teens talk and the world listens express yourself is produced by star style productions llc as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity for more information about our show visit expressyourselfteenradio.com now back to our star teens Thanks for staying with us here at Express Yourself on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. I'm Andrea Smith, 
And we are here today with Michael J. Gelb, and he is the world's leading authority on the application of genius thinking to personal and organizational development. He is a pioneer in the fields of creative thinking, accelerated learning, and innovative leadership. Michael leads seminars for organizations such as Merck, Microsoft, Nike, and YPO. He brings more than 30 years of experience as a professional speaker, seminar leader, and organizational consultant to his diverse international clientele. Michael is the author of 12 books on accelerated learning, creativity, and innovation, including the international bestseller, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, which has been translated into 25 languages and has appeared on the Washington Post, Amazon.com, and New York Times bestsellers lists. We are so excited to have with us today on the show. Welcome to Express Yourself, Michael. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. Yeah, yeah how I'm are here. You, how are you doing today? I am fabulous. Thank you so much. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm so excited. So um, I was wondering, what is, like, is public speaking, like, since you have been doing that for your entire life, is it, do you feel that it's a skill that anyone can develop? Does it take some talent or can somebody who is per se an introvert turn into somebody who um, is creates speeches for like other people and that type of thing? Yes. Well, yes, you're exactly right. It is a skill that anybody can learn. And just like any other skill, some people have more talent for the piano, but other folks with less talent, if they apply themselves, will surprise everyone and play beautifully. So we can indeed, it's not just something I feel, it's something I know because for 40 years, I've been working with my clients to help them prepare presentations. And I've watched them get better and better and better. And one of the cool things that happens is the better you get at presentations, the more successful you can become. And the more successful you become in your life, the more important it is to be able to be really skilled at presenting. So I call it the number one skill that we can all develop to improve our career uh, opportunities. Of course, at the same time, it's also the number one fear <laughs> that people have. So yeah. everybody gets butterflies, but I, I help them get the butterflies to fly in formation. Mm, I like that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And my belief that I always tell myself is that practice makes perfect. And it just takes like hundreds of attempts and you can achieve anything in this life. So definitely, I agree. So kind of going into the election, because we are in the middle of a major election and I'm sure there's a lot to talk about. Um, <laughs> the presidential and vice presidential debates are happening. And so what are your thoughts? How do you think Trump versus Biden did and what would have been more effective in the first debate? And how would you train them? Well, I think it's important to, to state that these may not be the best role models <laughs> <laughs> for people who want to improve their presentation skills. Because in, in life for most of us, 
it's really important. It's actually much, much better. It's a much better long-term plan for your life to find out what your deepest values are, what your purpose is in life. Focus on making a contribution. And then from your own genuine authenticity, be a champion for something that will make the world better, as opposed to, well, let me put it to you this way. In Hollywood and in Washington, D.C., they have a classic saying. And the saying is, sincerity is the key to success. And once you can fake that, you've got it made. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I was listening, uh, one of my favorite uh, sports shows uh, is called The Herd with Colin Coward. And he's, he's, he's renowned because he's, he's very honest and real in, in his opinions. So he was talking about particular football teams' defense and how the coach and the owner of the team were going out to the public and to the sports reporters and saying that their defense just needed a few little tweaks. And he said, <laughs> you know, they're just obviously lying to us. The defense really stinks and they don't want to admit it. And he then said something which was very poignant. It's actually, I I say the same thing in, in, in the book, in Mastering the Art of Public Speaking. I say that unless you are a cult leader or a politician, it's, it's actually really important to be impeccably honest and authentic. Now, having said all that, the principles that that result in people being influenced by your message are the same for whatever your message happens to be. And those principles just are the way the brain works. They're the way people remember. They're the way we make decisions. And unfortunately, most of them are unconscious. So when you understand the principles, of course, you could use them either for evil or for good, for a false purpose or a true purpose. And, and I do, they're powerful. So when I teach them, I, I try to get the people I'm teaching to, to take an oath that they're going to use this powerful information only for good. But of course, we can't always be sure about that with the various uh, uh, politicians and cult leaders. Yeah, I think you brought up a really good point about like manipulation and that like the power that has and like the implications it has if that person doesn't have the best intentions for the people of the nation. And it's scary to see, I think, especially with social media like all this misinformation is then turned into something that people see as truth and it like and so it creates so much divide between the two parties and it turns into like it turns into a presidency and into a campaign that it's like you don't even know what's true or what's anymore because if it's not like a campaign on transparency or authenticity, then 
it's, it's like, you don't know what to trust. And, um, I was wondering, like during the debates, how did the body language of the two candidates, how did that influence like the audience and emphasize what they were saying? Well, unfortunately, I think you, you, you made a point that, that is very powerful, is that a lot of people have their minds made up and they, they, they're, they're really bought into what's called cognitive dissonance. They don't want to accept or see or notice anything unless it confirms what they already believe. It's also called confirmation bias. So people are just looking for evidence that supports what they have already made up their mind about. So you mentioned, uh, thank you for mentioning my, my book, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, and, and I really would like people to read that before they read Mastering the Art of Public Speaking so that they can focus on the da Vinci principle, especially the second one. And the second principle is to be a critical thinker. And to learn, when, when Leonardo da Vinci was preparing one of his paintings, uh, let's say he was going to put some flowers in the painting, he would look at real flowers, and then he would sketch them from three different angles. Uh, when he wanted to learn about anatomy, he, he didn't just read anatomy textbooks, he wanted to really find out the truth for himself. So he dissected human bodies, and he did it from at least three different angles. And he said, if you want to, want to say that you're really thinking about something, you have to learn to appreciate different perspectives. Now, this has always been part of what used to be called a university education. You know, the word university is, is named after the idea of universal knowledge, the, the idea that we, we want to be really wise. We want to have a broad perspective on civilization and society and truth. And the relationship between truth and beauty and goodness. So these are really powerful criteria. Is it true? Is it beautiful? And, and is it in the interest of the common good? And then from those universal values that inform our civilization, then we can look at what someone is putting forward and evaluate it from, from that perspective and and. and it then can become pretty clear whether the argument is built on something solid or on smoke and mirrors and even worse substances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, you gave two terms, cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias. And I actually took AP psychology, I think it was like two years ago, <laughs> so I just wanted to say that I recognize those words and I was like, wow, honestly, psychology is everywhere. Um, and so since you brought up your book, um, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, and you're known primarily for talking about the realm of creativity, um, how does creativity relate to public speaking? Wonderful. Thank you so much for asking that. Because so you come up with a creative idea. Let's say you want to be an entrepreneur. Let's say you want to start a really cool radio show like yours. You, you want to do, you have your dream. You, 
you think creatively about what would be the most wonderful expression of my talents that would be the most fun for me to do that will help as many people as possible and ideally be wildly profitable, right? So why not ask that? And, and let's say you then apply some of the methodologies for creative thinking and you generate some really great ideas. If you want your ideas to come true, you're gonna to have to get other people to buy into those ideas, to support your ideas. You're gonna to have to find investors, you're gonna to have to find partners, you're gonna to have to find clients or customers uh, if you're selling something. And that means you're gonna to have to be able to deliver your message in a way that people will understand, relate to, remember, and be inspired, and preferably be inspired by. So creative thinking, public speaking go hand in hand. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like I can kind of see how whenever I see um, a presentation, the ones that I remember the most are the ones that are really creative and are, you know, don't fit the standard stereotype of like what you would think it would be. And it kind of just, it inspires you in some way. And you also write that the Alexander technique is the most helpful method for developing public speaking skills. So what is that? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. The Alexander technique is a methodology for developing stage presence. It's taught at the world's great schools of performance, the Juilliard School, the Royal Academy of Music and Drama. And what it does is help you free yourself from those unnecessary tension habits that not only result in you feeling that the butterflies are out of control, but also project to your audience a sense that you might be somewhat discombobulated. When somebody walks on stage and they're upright, they're poised, they smile naturally, they make easy eye contact with the audience, the audience naturally will connect with that person and be open to being influenced. There was a great study uh, by Professor Nalini Ambadi, and she found that students basically figured out how good a class was gonna be in the first two seconds of class by the body language of the professor before they even said one word, just the way the professor walked out there. So wow. the Alexander technique is a methodology for walking out there in a way that not only gets the audience to feel that you're accessible and that this is going to be fun and engaging, but helps you feel that this is, this is going to be a joy and a pleasure. And that's, you know, that's the other great secret, too. You mentioned before about introverts and people who might not feel that they have that much talent for, for public speaking. But I talk to those kind of people and I say, well, tell me about your last vacation or tell me about something you're really looking forward to. And they'll tell you about their trip to Bermuda or their plan for their, for their anniversary celebration. And they're natural, they're expressive, they look you in the eye, their voice tone is modulated perfectly with what they're saying because they're just being themselves 
and they're talking about something that they're interested in and that you've expressed an interest in. So what if you just gave your presentation like that? It might be a lot easier, whoever you are. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, I agree. It's all about, you know, your stage presence and how you go out there. And it's, I guess the first impression really does matter. People can definitely tell if you're, you know, nervous or not. Um, and kind of going back to the presidential debates, what do you think is like the main purpose of a presidential debate? Do you think it's about the oratory skills and the quick thinking do you think it's about the policy and plan clarity of the candidates, or is it the ability to bring out the right points in front of the American people, or is it all of the above? So what are your thoughts on that? Yes, yeah, so ideally it would be an actual discussion of the issues. <laughs> <laughs> and we're laughing because uh, that seems to be uh, something quite distant from our, our current reality. It's also a chance for people to see how their candidates perform under pressure because that, that's certainly a stressful situation. A lot of the world is watching. And I remember if I, if I think back to the Democratic debates, it wasn't that long ago, a couple of the people on that stage weren't used to being questioned in the very critical, challenging way that political candidates are, are questioned. And you could see it. They lost their poise. They got a bit confused. And having said all this, coming back, because what I really want to do is I want to, I'm really committed to help people who want to come up with their dream and want to get other people to be inspired to follow it, or just want to be able to get up in their company now, whether it's on Zoom or Skype or some other virtual medium, eventually you'll be back with people. And your ability to get up and speak to them and, and be authentic and be persuasive and be compelling and be entertaining is going to have a huge aspect. Uh, it's going to be a huge factor in your, your career success. So you can actually take a cue from what the best politicians actually do. And that is, before they do a debate, before they do a press conference, the smart ones have somebody play the role of the toughest reporters asking the most difficult questions so that they're already prepared for all the objections that someone might raise to what they want to put forth. And, and that that ability to anticipate objections and, and, and challenges to your point of view is, is a great exercise for all of us in life in general and certainly in preparing for any kind of contentious presentation situation. Yeah, I think you brought up like what you said about how it for the debate like for the candidates to actually answer the question and to talk about their policy like when I was watching the debates last Tuesday I was just so disappointed on how they never answered the question it was a, it was never about policy it was just them attacking each other the entire time and 
I was just like, and I'm really interested in public policy. So I was really interested to see what they would say, but I just was not satisfied by the turnout of it. And I was like wondering what has changed in the world of public speaking and debating (laughs) since you began your career. Well, it's great that you brought that up because in a way, nothing has changed. Okay, you want to hear two really interesting facts that both of the participants in last week's presidential debate have in common? They're both tall. (laughs) 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 Now, we're laughing, but I'll never forget the the Kennedy-Nixon debate. So this is a long, long time ago, but it was, I believe it was the first televised debate. And Kennedy won dramatically with those who saw it on television because he was quite good looking and charismatic and had nice hair and Nixon didn't really shave and he was sweating. So what they said had no influence to the television audience. The audience was swayed by the fact that Kennedy was so good looking And Nixon really wasn't that attractive. What's fascinating is people who heard the debate on radio thought that Nixon won the debate because he was a more cogent debater. But those who saw it on television thought Kennedy won. And that's launched this age where superficialities, unfortunately, tend to have more influence over people than substance. And that's part of why, as a society, we're in the mess that we're in. Yeah, wow, that's actually really interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. And um, unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show, but thank you for coming on. And I honestly really enjoyed our conversation. It was super interesting and relevant, especially during these times. Um, So listeners, please check out um, his website at michaelgelb.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-E-L-B.com. And he's also on Twitter and Facebook. Um, On Twitter, his handle is Michael J. Gelb. And you can search him up on Facebook at Michael J. Gelb Author Speaker. And please read his books. They're absolutely fantastic. The book is Mastering the Art of Public Speaking. Um, And thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. Thank you. Yes, thank you again. Um, I'm Andrea Smith. Please show your love for more segments by donating to the BTSYA 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program at bethestarur.org. Keep listening for more as we have a discussion in our next segment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to express yourself on the voice america kids channel where teens talk and the world listens express yourself is produced by star style productions llc as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity for more information about our show visit expressyourselfteenradio.com now back to our star teens Welcome back to Express Yourself. This hour is about politics and elections, and in this segment, Andrea and I will be having a conversation about the recent election, politics, and speaking skills. Hi, Andrea. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing awesome. Yeah, so like thinking about the elections and everything going on right now, I feel like This is such a crazy time, especially with COVID and the pandemic. And just in light of everything, the debates uh, last Tuesday and there is one today. I just I think like all the one thing that really comes to my mind is social media. Um, Like, I don't know. You said earlier that you use Instagram. I personally like used Instagram, Snapchat, like I definitely am a Gen Zer with <laughs> all my media <laughs> platforms. And I watched the social dilemma um a week ago. My best friend told me to watch it and I just I was so shocked. I was so shocked that I ended up deleting all my social media accounts. And um because it made me realize and what they talked about was that there never has been a time in human history since slavery that humans were the products of a mass industry until oh. right now and it's because of social media we're not we're not the products or i mean we're not the audience i mean we're not the audience for these companies we are the products for the advertising companies. And the result of that is a generation of people enslaved to their screens. And I think about this, about the implications of our future and of the elections and how this is really shaping our society. And it honestly just, it scares me to death. Like my heart literally sinks because I mean, I just, I've never realized how, like, my own Instagram, how my Instagram page can influence um, how society thinks and, like, the hatred that is prevalent in our society. And um, it's because everybody on social media gets their own version of the truth. And these companies, it's in their favor to put extremist ideas into your feed. And it's very subtle. It's this unconscious, they want you to, they want to unconsciously 
change the way that you think so that they can slave so that they can have you slave your time away on your phone and i just think that this is completely unethical and that there needs to be so much more regulations on these social media companies because if we see what's going on in politics today I've never seen this much hatred between two parties. It's like now it's like if you're a Democrat or if you're a Republican, there's automatically these stereotypes that you think of when you think of the different the other party. And these are very extremely derogatory stereotypes and platforms like TikTok and Instagram, they they like use these stereotypes and they gauge their audience in that way. And I think that, like, I know for myself in my own life, um, just seeing people at school talk about politics now, it's no longer on policy. It's no longer about policy. It's no longer about what this candidate wants. It's just about um it's just about these derogatory terms and these like just this misinformation as well. Like we're in the age of misinformation and not knowing what is, what is true anymore. And so like Syria, I was wondering like what you were thinking about, like where you get your media sources and if you have realized this bias in like, your Instagram feed, like if you see political ads, like in specific, like specifically. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for your insight. Um, I completely agree with you um, on the fact that our generation is honestly really dependent on social media and even the algorithms that many platforms use, like Instagram and Facebook, they, they make us see what we want to see. Um, like if you, you know, search up dogs on Instagram, um, you'll probably get some recommendations with more dogs. And similarly, um, they kind of give you information that you want to see about important issues like the presidential debate. And I completely agree with you that social media is something that we kind of need to avoid using super often. And um, and for your question, I, I you know, read news um, we don't get newspapers anymore during this time, but New York Times is something that I personally use a lot because I feel that it provides a kind of wholesome perspective on an issue. And what are some ways that you get the news, especially on social media is like super yeah. biased? Yeah, I you brought up like exactly on point the algorithms, um, how that that it's like the AI that is basically controlling our world now, our generation. Like it's getting smarter and smarter each day to get people on the screen. And I think um, like people now get their media, their like information in places that they shouldn't. And I personally really support the local newspapers and like local journalism like the Orange County Register and I um, know somebody in that industry and it's really sad how now these local newspapers and these local journalism 
industries are now like no longer they are having a really hard time in funding what they're doing because everybody's going on social media now and so yeah um I just wanted to add on to that um and maybe we could kind of gear towards the presidential debate and I had a question for you Andrea um do you think that name calling in the debate destroys like the presidential sanctity of the debate what are your thoughts on that Yes, definitely. I when I watched the debate, I all I could think about is diplomacy. And I'm in Model United Nations and the number one thing that we're taught is to respect the other person's view and to respect them as a person. And I think that in that debate, especially our president who was continuously, you know, interrupting Biden like in whatever he was saying and then attacking his family I just I felt like there was no respect and there was no diplomacy and I thought that was just incredibly sad and like what our previous speaker was talking about how they didn't really answer the questions about policy. And so I think it was just really unsatisfying to see how, again, it was just these, it just emphasized these stereotypes that people are already believing in about the other party. Um, and it just was no longer debate about policy. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I was kind of thinking about it do you think our moderator, Chris Wallace, could have, you know, fact-checked the candidate's claims or, you know, have something different to ensure that he had control during the debate? Because I feel that the two candidates are just talking over each other and there is really no control. So, listeners, um, that's just some food for thought, I guess. Um, and unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. But thank you so much, Andrea. It was a really interesting discussion. Um, and listeners, thank you for listening to Super Smart Sundays here on Express Yourself. Please support Be The Star You Are and find information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs at bethestarur.org. I'm Siri Panindra. And I'm Andrea Smith. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. As always we express our gratitude to star style productions cynthia bryant be the star you are and our voice america empowerment crew especially our voice engineer josh and thanks to our guests from across the world and a huge thank you to you our listeners for making us a top rated program make sure to turn out to vote for respect authenticity and decency and as always remember to speak up speak out and express yourself thanks for joining us this week on express yourself produced by star style productions llc as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity for more information about our show be sure to visit expressyourselfteenradio.com please join us again next tuesday at noon pacific time 3 p.m eastern when teens talk and the world listens on the voice america kids channel
Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself